Father, thank you for Letitia. Thank you for just the wisdom that you're blessing us with. I pray, Father, that the, the heart that's on our word tonight, Lord, that we'll just receive it well. I pray that you'll be with her as she speaks. Yeah, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good evening, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to the service this evening. I see some new faces, so I am going to ask this. Can I get a show of hands who's new year this evening? Show of hands. Come on, you can raise your hands higher. Welcome. Welcome this evening. So lovely to have you. Join us. It's wonderful to have you here with us. And so I've asked you to raise your hands, but I'm going to ask our leaders to be even braver. So the leaders, young adult leaders, if you can stand for me, please, so that the new people can see your faces. All the young adult leaders stand. Okay, these are young adult leaders for those that are new, that are visiting with us. Can I ask those that are visiting with us for the first time this evening, if you'd like to connect with us after the service, to please join our leaders here in the front, and they'd love to get your contact details and chairs to connect with you. Is that okay? So you see the leaders, you see their faces, but we'd love to connect with you after the service. So welcome to everyone that's new here this evening. Thanks, leaders. Thank you. Okay, and so today, not just tonight, today was Father's Day and Youth Day. How amazing is that? Hey, Youth Day and Father's Day landing on the same Sunday. Coolest thing ever. So what do we want to do? Can I get a show of hands? Whose father's here tonight? Any dads here tonight? Please raise your hands. Dads. Hi, dads. Just a happy Father's Day from our side to all the dads. Um, we trust that you had a wonderful day and that your family blessed you out of your boots. And if they didn't, tomorrow's a public holiday and they still have a chance to do it tomorrow. Okay. Can we pray for the dads? Let's pray for the dads. So if there's a dad, if those dads, please, sorry dads, I know you've had a wonderful day, but please keep standing because we want to surround you. <laughs> If we can surround the dads. So if there's a dad close to you, please go and lay your hands on him. Please. We're very grateful for the dads in our midst. Thank you. Father, thank you so much for the dads in our midst. Thank you for who they are. Um, thank you that you have chosen them to be a father in this generation and in this time. We pray a special blessing on them, Father. We ask that you would strengthen them from the inside, and as we heard that song of warrior inside, that you would be their warriors inside. And Father, thank you for the pillars that they represent in our community and society, and we bless them today, and we thank you for the fathers in our, in our midst. We love them very much, Lord. We thank you for who they are, in Jesus' name. Pray that their, their hearts and their lifestyles would model you in our society, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so it's youth day too. And so I haven't forgotten about the youth because this is a young adult service. Okay. What I want to ask is this, that all the young people stand for me, please. Oh, yeah. Don't get too comfy. Everybody under the age of 35, please stand. <laughs> Everybody under the age of 35. Okay. So here's a, here's a prayer for me, for you, and it's this. In 1976, we had a group of young people, as Luke has said, that made a huge contribution in our nation because of what they stood for. But they stood for something because they believed in something. And they were willing to lay down their lives for what they believed in. 
The challenge we find ourselves today, and I say this with confidence because I work with young people on a daily basis. Um, I'm in the Next Generation Hub, so I work with young people all the time, is this. It's so difficult in today's age to know what truth is. And so one day you believe this, and the next day it's changed. So when we do that, when we toss with the waves and we're not sure what we believe in, it makes it difficult to know what to stand for and to die for. <laughs> and my prayer for you this evening is this, that God would be your solid truth. He'd be your north. On your compass, that he would be your true north. And that no matter what the world tries to imprint on you, that your premise for truth would be God and the scriptures, so that you would have the courage and the bravery to lay down your lives, not just in the natural, but in the kingdom for the sake of the kingdom, whatever that looks like in your daily living, so that you'd have the same courage and bravery the youth, the young people of 1976 had, but for the sake of the kingdom. Are we game with that? Are we cool with that? Are we okay with a prayer like that? So can I ask you to join me and close your eyes. Let's pray for the Lord to give us that courage and that he would be our true north and that truth would be rooted in him. Father, tonight we come and we bring our young people before you. We thank you for the youth, the young people in 1976 that stood and laid down their lives for something they believed in and made a huge contribution and a difference in our nation. And Father, we pray that we would be a generation that would know truth, to know what our values are, what we believe in, so that we would be willing to lay down our lives for the kingdom. Father, advance your kingdom through us. Help us to be planet shakers, to be movers and shakers because of our trust in you, because of our love for you, and because of how we choose to live. I pray that every single person standing in this room now, Father, every young person in this room right now, that even in this week to come, that kingdom would be displayed in their lives. In the name of Jesus, I pray for sound, solid truth. I pray for that scripture where the Lord says, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And I pray that that would be the cover of our young people going forward in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may take your seats. I told you you're not going to get too comfy. <laughs> okay, so happy Father's Day. Happy Youth Day. I hope you had a wonderful Sunday. <laughs> okay. We have been on a journey now. So for the newcomers, I'd just like to give you a bit of context. Is we are in a season as a church where we have sensed the word, be ready from the beginning of the year, be ready for the display of God's glory for this year. So the word over this local body is be ready. Be ready for what? The display of God's glory. Okay, so we're in that season. And for the term, our term focused under that be ready theme is ready for more. And how we do that is through stewardship. So our focus for the next few weeks and has been for the last two weeks has been on stewardship. How we steward, what steward means, stewardship means. So Neil Bester came in one of the evening services and he just laid down the foundation if you remember with me, those that were here, of what stewardship means. And what it basically means is what it says in the scriptures, everything belongs to who? To God. 
It includes you, your family, your finances, your employment, everything. Everything on this planet, the world itself, belongs to God. And so Neil set down the foundation around that. And then we had Natasha Kutzer come last week, and she spoke about stewarding your purpose in God, but through covenant, because it happens through covenant. So we steward our purpose, but we get our purpose from the Lord. In Ephesians, it says it is in Christ that we find out who we are and why we are living. So our purpose comes from covenant with the Lord. And then tonight, being Youth Day and Father's Day, our focus is on stewarding relationships. How's that for you, hey? Lovely one to have. How do we steward our relationships? Because they also belong to God. And how I'd like to start this is by a story, but not actually a story. It's a show that I've been watching with my husband, okay? It's called, and I'm going to say this, I've been practicing the whole week, Kumbulakaya, okay? That's the show we've been... Kumbulakaya, yeah, we've been watching that. I don't understand the thing they're saying. I'm trying to learn, but I'm grateful for the little white handwriting at the bottom of the screen there, the subtitles, because it helps me to follow. And basically what that says in English is remember home. And I've watched a couple of episodes with my husband, and I have bawled my eyes out. I've had so much tears in my eyes because of what it's about, and I'll share it in a minute what it's about, but it has touched me in deep places. Because of the history of our nation and what we've gone through, many families were separated, many families, which left people fatherless, left people motherless, left people without families. And so if you want to take a look at that show, I'm not sure what time it is, but I've watched it. <laughs> but what happens in the show is the, the show actually helps to help people find their long-lost loved ones, their fathers and their mothers. But I think why I'm saying it tonight is because what I've realized with that show is that the main people that are often looked for are fathers. It's fathers. And so you have these older people or younger people on the search for their identity. Because, let's all say this, when we think of father, father makes us think of home, isn't it? It gives us identity, our security. It's our dad, our home. And as much as moms try to do their very best, and I honor every mom that's a single mom here tonight. I honor you and I respect you greatly. But there's something about a father in a person's life that brings identity because of the way the Lord's wired it. So I've watched the show. And the saddest part of the show is this. When someone has been in search of their dad for so long, for so many years, trying to find their identity, they go, I, on the show, they'll say themselves, we don't know how to live. I want to know my identity. I, know, I want to know who my dad was, what he was like. And so they go on the search to find their dad, only to realize he no longer lives, which is the saddest thing ever. And you see the tears on the show. You see the heartache on the show. But you see them reconnect to the father's family or uncles and aunts. But there's a great sadness because there's a longing and a search inside of everyone to know who they are. When I thought of the show and the meaning, Remember Home, I felt the Lord said this to me. 
He is home. He is home. And so no matter what your circumstance tonight is, no matter what your upbringing or your father experience is tonight, God says, I am home. I am the good, good father. What a father looks like is what God displays. And so even if you don't have a father, you've never known your father, you've had challenges with your father in your relationship with him, tonight to say that God can fill that gap because he is the good, good father. And so for the Kumbulekaya show, it ends there where their father has died and they're not sure what the next step is, but they've met their aunts and uncles. But praise God for us, that curtain that was torn, the word that was shared here that God has made a way, praise God that it doesn't end like that for us. Hey, how amazing is that? It doesn't end like that for us because God has made a way for us to know him. He has made a way for us to know him. And I'd like to say this. I personally don't have a father. My dad died when I was 24 years old in a car accident. And my mom died two years later when I was 26. But can I say, I know what it is to be fathered because my eyes have been on the Lord. It wasn't an easy thing. And I won't say to anyone, yes, it was like ice cream and whatever. But I know what I sat here and I just went, God, thank you for fathering me. Because I know what it feels like to be fathered because of my relationship with the Lord. And so if the blueprint of relationship is in God, because of the Godhead, Father God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, then the way we steward our relationships comes from that blueprint. Okay, so I don't know what your story is tonight, but I want you to listen to me, but within the context of what your story is and how Father God would make sense to you in your situation. So the first question we ask ourselves if we think of stewarding relationships is we go, what is relationship? Because you cannot steward something you don't know what it is. Okay, so if we go back to God and him being a father, remember he was first a father before he was anything. So here you have God, the creator of the universe, and he's with the He's with the Holy Spirit and he's with Jesus. And he goes, we have a community here that is so wonderful, so amazing. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That there's so much love in that community, in that relationship. So that's the blueprint. He goes, there's so much in there. We cannot keep it to ourselves. We need to make this family bigger. We need to make this circle bigger. Huh? How's that? God was about making circles bigger. Hey? So he goes, what we have, the three of us, is so beautiful that we want more to be a part of it. And so I want to make man in our image. How amazing is that? So God makes Adam and Eve. He makes us <coughs> in his image. But we see from the garden that the enemy had a strategy and we even see it in, within time now. Pastor Louis did so well this morning about speaking about this. And he said this. We saw it first, that there was a separation with Adam and Eve from God. Okay? 
Then there was a separation between Adam and Eve, where they started blaming each other. Adam goes, it's this wife you gave me. Eve goes, it's the snake. The snake goes, eh, eh, I have nothing to, <laughs> I have nothing to say. So we see that, that the separations already happened then. But God's intention was never separation. God's intention for relationship was always unity and community. But what do we see now in our day and age? We see huge separations between what? Genders? Classes? Hey? What else? Hey? Generations? We see huge separations. So what is relationship? Relationship is about being connected to something with his unity. And that is God. You will not get anything more at peace and at unity than the Godhead itself. That is the perfect relationship that we are called to display on earth. So why is relationship important? Here's why relationships are important. Because Jesus was willing to shed his blood for it. One of the Godhead came down and said, I will go down and give my life. We spoke about that now for the youth. He believed in it so much in this thing called relationship and godly community that he went, you know what? I will go down and I will give my life so that there can be restoration between God and man and man with one another to redeem all things back to itself, to God, to redeem everything back to God. And so if the two commandments that our whole Christianity is based on is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself, then relationship is important. It's very important. Out of every other commandment God could have given us, he gives us those two. He takes the whole Ten Commandments and he says, you know what? I see I've given you Ten Commandments, but you're still not getting it. I'm going to make it so simple for you, and I'm going to break it down into my love. I do that with my six-year-old and my, four <laughs> my four-year-old. When they don't get something, I, I have to go to their level to go, let me help you understand this. So all of those Ten Commandments, God takes them and he simplifies it for us, but it's still all rooted in this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. So we see three things there. We see relationship with God. We see relationship with ourselves, how we see ourselves and view ourselves, and we see relationship with others. Now let me ask you a question tonight. How are you doing with those three? How's your relationship with God? Because can I say this? If this one's not in order, the other two won't be. And so often when people come to me and they speak to me about a relational challenge, I firstly go back to the first one and I go, okay, you've told me about this, but how's it going with dad? And they go, what dad? Go with that dad. How's it going with that dad? And most of the time, their other relational challenges is rooted in something because they're not in alignment here. So tonight the question is, how are you doing with Abba? How are you doing with Father God? Are you okay there? 
Are you okay with Father God? Next question. How are you doing with yourself? How are you doing with yourself? Love what happened in the worship where there was a space where God said, there is nothing that can keep you away from me now because I have died for every past, present, and future sin. Nochal's future too, which is wonderful, but it gives us no excuse to continue to sin. But he's made a way for us, even in our future. God goes, I love you so much. I know you're not perfect, but I'll walk with you. But I've made a way even for that which you will falter in in the future. And in that space, there's freedom for you to be able to live under the grace of God. It's amazing. So how are you doing with yourself tonight? Because if you're not doing, if you're okay with God, which I battle to understand that you challenged in yourself then, because this will have a direct impact on the next one. And the next one will have a direct impact on the other one. So are you okay with yourself tonight? Can you look yourself in the mirror and go, yes, God, you will. Yeah, that's a masterpiece right there. (laughs) I was saying that to someone this week. I said, it's not arrogance to look at yourself in the mirror and to praise God for who he's made you to be. But it's prideful to look down on God's creation. True humility is agreeing with God, with what you see in the mirror. Pride comes by saying, you could have done better. Are we okay with that? I'm going to be real with you tonight. No, I'm talking to young people. I know how these things work. Hey, we compare ourselves to each other. No, don't we do that? Compare ourselves to each other. And when we do that, what we are saying is, God, what's up with this? Look at that. Look at this. What were you thinking? But God is God, and he knows what he's doing. Hey? And so, how are you doing with self? Can you really look yourself in the mirror and go, yes, God, I praise you. What a wonderfully, perfectly, fearfully made human being I see. Huh? Anybody done that before? I raise my hand because I have done it. Because I'm not afraid to say I haven't. There was a time when I used to go, your God, hallelujah, Lord Jesus. I don't do that anymore. Now I go, God, ah, uh, God, God. <laughs> Even with my big little tummy here, I go, God, ah, uh, God. <laughs> okay, so how are you doing with your relationship with self? If we talk about stewarding. Stewarding your relationship with God, stewarding your relationship with yourself, and then stewarding, and I'm going to talk about how now too, but then stewarding your relationship with others. Can I tell you, broken people hurt other people. So it's that saying, hurt people hurt other people. They're so broken that they need to make everybody else broken. But whole people bring wholeness. How's this for you? Jesus Son of God, I often think about the times he went to be alone with his father and brain. It was normally at the end of the day, because a lot can happen between 7 o'clock in the morning and 7 o'clock at night. And so what Jesus often did, it says, at the end of the day, he would retreat, or early in the mornings, he would go and be on his own. But I really believe this. 
I believe the times when Jesus was on his own was the times he was going, Abba, remind me who I am in you. Remind me. Because there's many a times in the scriptures, it says the Lord knew their hearts, that they were all after him and following him. The same people that were loving on him, Hosanna, Hosanna to the highest, were the same people that spat in his face the next. Hey, don't we experience that? But then Jesus is steady. Yes, man, steady. Does not, does not shake, does not break. Yet on the cross, he says, Father, yes, forgive them for they know not what they do. Can I tell you to get to that place, you need to know who you are. And you need to know that you're the beloved of God. And you need to be so sure of yourself that you're not shaking, oh, these people are putting me on a cross, they want to kill me. No, you need to be so sure of the Father's love for you that even if your Father lets you go through that and you've gone, I'm willing to lay down my life, that you know you loved. It's amazing, hey? And so... How's your relationship with others doing? And I know we can all sit in this room and there's one or two people in our minds right now. Think of those people. Don't be all holy on me now. We know those people. I see those eyes looking straight at me and go, please don't say things like that. Hey? But I know we all have that one or two people that we go, Lord, the planet could do without them. No? Hey? Hey? Let's be honest, but can I say, the planet cannot do without them because God found it fit to have them on this planet, irrespective of how you might feel. Okay, so do you have those one or two people in your head? Okay, I'm not going to act all holy, I've got one in my head. Okay, (laughs) do you have that one or two people in your head? Okay. Now I want you to think of this. If that person, okay, God, head, together, deciding, we are going to make people in our image. If that person represents the side of God, if they represent the side of God, okay, that is unique, Because every single person is unique. And you hate that person or dislike that person. What does that say about what you think of the image of God on that person? It's sore for myself too. I'm like, no, Lord, don't go there. If people are made in the image of God then even those that we find it difficult to relate to, those that we think, yes, Lord, it would be better if they weren't not on this planet, if they present a side of God, then can I tell you, when you reject that person, not only are you rejecting them, you're rejecting the potential to know a side of God that you've not known before. And so that's why the scriptures say, You cannot say you love God and hate your brother. Because my brother was made in the image of God. Is that okay? My brother was made in the image of God. And so for people that go hallelujah on a Sunday, and then you see how they treat other people the rest of the week, I question, 
the Christianity. I do. Because if God is real in my life, it will display in the way I treat people. Definitely. Two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. Is that okay? So the next time you see that person, you know what to do. Smile, hugs. <laughs> I know, it's hard. But ask the Lord. Maybe you even need to backtrack and go, Lord, how's my relationship with you if I'm not connecting well with this person? How's my relationship with myself if I'm not connecting well with the world? Okay, and it's not to say that we agree with everything that the world says and does because we speak truth in love. But can I tell you one thing? People walked away from the presence of God having experienced Father God in the most amazing way. How do people walk away having interacted with you? Okay, so how do we do this? Okay, talk to me, Leticia. How do we do this? So what is relationship? Being connected to one another in unity, one, one thing that's in common, and that's Jesus. Why is relationships important? Because Jesus was willing to die for it. It's the two greatest commandments that our whole Christianity is based on. Love the Lord your God, as I've said. But then how? So let's get a bit practical. How do we do this? How do we, how do we live well? Look, there's many scriptures in the Bible of how to live out our Christianity well. But I think for me, the book of Ephesians is one of the best books for me in terms of relationships. It speaks about husbands and wives. It speaks about children's and children's. Don't quote that. It speaks about, <laughs> it speaks about father and children. It speaks about how we live with one another. But if we go to Ephesians, Ephesians 4 verse 17. I'm going to read to you what it says. It says this. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the fertility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you were taught about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to the former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your mind and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood, gives us an example of how to do relationships well, and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. How many of us have done that? Hey? Yet the premise for our lives is the scriptures. Because this is truth. And it says, do not let the sun go down in your anger. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. 
but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come from your mouths, but what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. And then it ends so beautifully by saying this, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. It's beautiful, eh? I think it's self-explanatory. I don't have to say much about that. But how do we do relationships well? Living out the scriptures. So I can read this piece to you. And it can fall on your ears and sound wonderful tonight, like honey. But can I tell you, the power is not in hearing the scriptures. The power is in living out the scriptures. That is when God's glory comes and is displayed in your lives. So when you take this Ephesians, when you take what I've just read, and you go and live it out this week, that's when God's kingdom comes. That's when his glory is displayed in you. And that is when you display being a child of God in this world. Okay, so I'm not going to say much more. I'm just going to want to pray for you. So I'm going to ask this. For those of you who know that you haven't done relationships so well, and you're going, yo, God, because we can preach and preach and preach, but it's in living the scriptures that it becomes a reality. I want to pray for you tonight that this would be a new week for you, that somehow you'd be able to live out what the scriptures call us to do in doing relationships well, in stewarding, firstly, your relationship with God, then with yourself and with others well through living out the scriptures. So if you want to stand, and I'm standing, if you haven't done relationships so well, and you're going, Father, I need your blueprint to do this thing well, to bring honor and glory to your name, to live out what you intended relationships to look like. Would you, I'd like to invite you to stand. Would you stand with me? And I'm going to pray a prayer for you. Okay. Okay. What I want to ask is that God would give us his spirit, because it's by the spirit that we do these things. So could you Put your hands in the posture of receiving and let's ask the Lord together for his spirit to enable us to do relationships well. Is that good? So that we can do the stewarding thing well and stand before the Lord one day so he can say to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. Okay, so Father, you see everyone standing, including myself. We come before you. And Father, firstly, we want to ask you to forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, where we have not done relationships well, where we have not stewarded our relationships well, firstly with you, then with ourselves, and then with others. And we want to ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would come tonight and empower us to be able to live out the word with regards to stewarding our relationships. Thank you, Father, that you made it easy for us and you took the whole of the Ten Commandments and you broke it into two, to love you, God, with all our heart, soul, and strength, 
and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And so will you enable us, please, Holy Spirit, we welcome you into our lives this evening. Help us, empower us to live out your word so that those around us would have your blueprint, Father, of what it is to do relationship well. We thank you that you are all about relationships because that was the thing you were willing to die for. Help us to be willing to die to self for the sake of godly relationships. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for coming to the service this evening. For those that are new, please, you're welcome to come and connect with us as leaders. We'd love to connect with you. And for the daddies, enjoy the rest of the evening, even into the morning. Okay, have a good Father's Day. God bless. And the prayer team is um, up front here. The prayer team will be here for anyone that needs ministry or prayer. Thank you so much.